Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Joseph, we are live. What's going on, everybody? January 30th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Other side of the screen, Sean Ross Sapp. Doesn't have his man bun today, but still looking slick with those locks. Lots to discuss here, especially the with what went down. The wife's not home. I can't do it myself. Oh, you got to get the missus to do that for you. Yeah, as of right now, I do. Yeah, I think Elias can do it by himself. He's done it so many times, yeah. but uh, another topic for another day. Uh, lots to discuss here in the world of mixed martial arts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you to everyone who tunes in right off the top. Don't forget, top right of your screen, uh, we do have that live chat. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we do got to discuss UFC Charlotte. A uh, quick recap, uh, as Sean already took care of that over the weekend. We will definitely go into some of those uh, weird judges' decisions. Um, Sean Ross Sapp was the <clears throat> first person that was really promoting the fact that Daniel Cormier could be the next opponent for Stipe Mio. Lo and behold, the ultimate fighter uh, has been announced next season with coaches Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion of the world, defending his title against Daniel Cormier, the UFC light heavyweight champion. Best man in the world! Baddest yep. man in the world! A cast, of, a cast of undefeated fighters, Sean. I like the idea. I think it's going to be fun. But the question is, and if you look at our YouTube page and look at the even at FightfulMMA.com, you look at some of the topics here. The next one under that would be more super fights coming perhaps and we're going to get to that in a second with an instagram post by floyd mayweather we'll get to that uh ronda, ronda rousey making her wwe debut i did not have a chance to see it other than my timeline on my social media especially my twitter saying 
Why is she pointing so much? Stop pointing. In fact, our very own Anna Boward basically said, ban the point. We'll get Sean's opinion on that. Obviously, Sean being a massive analyst and specialist when it comes to WWE and all things professional wrestling. Uh, Tim Johnson will be joining us, number 15 heavyweight in the world. That'll be fun. Uh, we'll, pre- we'll preview UFC. By the way, guys, I apologize if I start stuttering or spitting or whatever it is. I am under the weather. Sean thinks it's disgusting, but I have no choice. This is emergency uh, with oil of oregano Gross, bro. in cold water. I got to kick my get my immune system into high gear. I think I know why, and I'll probably explain it why. But we'll preview uh, UFC Belém. Got our pro picks as well. Triple G versus Canelo too. Yeah, I don't watch much boxing anymore, but I will be watching that for sure. Uh, and then the question regarding backup to to Cormier um, and Miocic. What does this mean for Cain Velasquez? I mean, they're, they're, I mean, we all know what the comments were. We'll, we'll get Sean to discuss that in a bit. But will they ever fight? Could they potentially fight? You never know. And, of course, rules mix up at UFC 220. Uh, bad judges at UFC Charlotte. Crazy stuff going on. Uh, Sean, before my, uh, my throat kicks in here, what would you like to discuss? My God, there's so much. Uh We'll save the, the UFC Brazil stuff towards, towards the end. We're going to hear from Eric Anders as well. I didn't put that in the description, but we'll hear from him. Headliner this this uh, Saturday. Also, we'll get pros picks. But first off, I want to address, like, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk crossover news. Floyd Mayweather keeps trolling. Check out this video he posted today, guys. Floyd Mayweather trotting around an octagon in some MMA shorts. If you were to put a betting line on on Floyd Mayweather fighting in the UFC ever, what would you set that betting line at? It's not very good, very high. Like minus 1,500? Oh, I'd put it... That's a good line. That's, That's... So you're thinking he will? No, sorry, plus. Plus, plus 1,500, yeah. yeah. I, I would put it at about plus 800, plus 900, a little bit lower than that because I think that sometimes he might work himself into a shoot because the thing is, him entertaining this idea will not help his perception if he doesn't do it. Not that he cares. He doesn't care. Not that he cares, but I mean, you know, the... He was talking up Floyd. He was talking up Conor McGregor, and then later on, he was like, "I carried him. I carried him." Okay, guy. But um, I, I think this will maybe negatively affect his perception uh, among some fans if he does. If he teases all this, then doesn't actually do it. It's really a non-story. But Conor McGregor apparently uh, has responded. Did you see this? I did not, but I do want to give props to Roy Soria, who's the one who sent me the video. Uh, I think about an hour and a half ago, Roy, if I'm not mistaken, and he's like. A, what do I think? And would you guys talk about this? I'm like, you're damn right we're going to talk about this. We love yeah. our fans. We love guys who tune into the show. And damn right, Roy, it's it's a fantastic thing to discuss because, you know, I, I think I, – I don't know, Roy, if I replied to you. I should check my Instagram if I said where there's smoke, there's fire. But eh, I don't know. It's, it's – Conor McGregor's response was one of the most genuine responses I've seen from him in a long time. He quoted the tweet and just said, ha, 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 ha. Very good. Keep up the good work, my son. Yours sincerely, Senior. <laughs> man i don't know how much money they need they would need to convince floyd mayweather to actually follow through with this but i would like to know if he does have a number i know he would he would go back to the uc and dana white and have an astronomical number but you know dana white knows how to negotiate and at least 100 million at least 100 yeah. million i would think because his legacy 
to a degree is on the line, Joe. It is on the line, if you think about it. I mean, yeah, you're right to a degree, but at the same time, dude, you will get your ass handed to you. I'm sorry. You will get your ass handed to you, uh, especially if it's Conor McGregor, who is probably salivating at the potential of this actually, or potentially, or remotely taking place. So, um, I I don't think it's going to happen, but I also said Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor was never going to happen. Uh, Roy Soria asks us what the the chance the fight would be worked is zero because zero. well I would say zero point one because you're risking permanent bans of licenses from everybody involved like from the referee to judges maybe even like you never know who all could be in on this type of thing and if it's in Nevada Nevada would be all too quick to be well I don't know if they'd be all too quick to do it they would hate to do it but. But man, won't, ha- won't happen. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it will either. But uh, good on Mayweather and McGregor keeping <laughs> keeping the dream alive. These guys uh, also keeping the dream alive. An honest to god super fight that I am stoked for. This could have been John Jones, Joe, but it's Stipe Miocic, Daniel Cormier. I am in love with this booking, just for a million reasons. Neither man has a clear cut contender right now. Love it. Love that. Daniel Cormier not only had success at heavyweight, we may be talking about Daniel Cormier as the most successful heavyweight of all time. No, There's no telling. He's going to move back up, 235. you got the Cain Velazquez aspect. Uh, after this, we will talk about the other super fights that I think but that might happen. But them coaching tough? You know, I'm all for that too. Daniel Cormier getting an extra payday in there in his last year, what he says. Because uh, he thinks he'll retire by March 2020. I'm cool with that. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of roll this all in together. We'll talk Miocic Cormier. We'll talk potential super fights. And then we'll talk this season of Tough. But I love everything about this. And on International Fight Week. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, everything you did, everything you said took place. Makes me wonder if you're on the UFC payroll, Sean. I wish. <laughs> I wish they were paying me. I, I'll say this. I don't want to work for the UFC, but I wish yeah. they would just pay me for some of this stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it. It's perfect. I think, I, I, I'm really going to like this. I want to see what Daniel Cormier's mentality is going to be heading into this show here and recording for six weeks with Stipe Miocic. Will he attempt to get into his head? Will he try and trash talk him? Will he goad him into arguments? Will he try and bring out some sort of personality? Will he take a shot at the fact that Stipe Miocic's personality isn't that vibrant when it comes to to fans in general? Will Stipe then be, you know what, will we see a different side of Stipe once he realizes that these cameras, now they're not on the coaches as much as they are on the contestants, right? I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Those guys, uh, you know, the the, the fighters are in a fishbowl, right? 24-7, blah, blah. But the coaches, when they do get to the gym or when they do the coaches' challenge, those cameras are on so you know be interested to see how Stipe deals with that that type of coverage nonstop. yeah so there, there's so many different aspects to this one uh Fabricio Verdum said that he had a good talk with Dana White this week I'm hoping that is for a Cain Velazquez Fabricio Verdum rematch on this card because if something like this falls out you gotta have something you gotta slide one of these guys in and out unless we're talking about the other potential super fights that I'm about to bring up. Amanda Nunes, Chris Cyborg. Cyborg said she'll do the fight in July. Uh, there's no real clear-cut contender for either one of these women either. Maybe Megan Anderson. But, I mean, Megan Anderson will be there after this no matter what. 
at Bantamweight, there's maybe Raquel Pennington. How will she hold up? I know that she was up and walking around a little bit quicker than she should have been. But still, if you had the opportunity to do Nunez Cyborg, I would do that. Then, Joe, what I would do, I'd just go ahead. I would gather up all the chips that I have. I would push them right into the middle of this table. And I would say Mighty Mouse Johnson versus Dillashaw on that show as well. Because the only clear-cut contender in either one of those divisions is a Jimmy Rivera who had his fight to really solidify that he was a contender pulled. And now we've got Demetrius Johnson saying for the first time, hey, I want to do this fight. I know that Tyron Woodley wants to get on this card. Of course he does. But, uh, <laughs> and if he doesn't, he'll complain a lot. But Yeah. I, you know what? I never blame Tyron anymore because either, he's got to get paid, man. He's got to get paid. I get does. what he's doing. And, and he's not getting any younger. He's not 25, right? So yeah. they, it takes a lot of these, these cats too long to realize that – it's a business, man, and it's 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 a career. It's a sporting endeavor. You got to make as much money as you can. You're not in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, where these fat contracts are signed and you're set for life. You got to work way harder than these other sports. And if you're going to work hard, you know, and I, I talked about it last week and the week before. Time is money. Time is money, man. If you're going to go and do something, would you rather get paid? You know, ten percent of what you can make, or a hundred percent of what you should be making. You know, try and make as much money as you can. Your your window of of opportunity and your window of of profiting from your brand is small, man. So I, I don't blame Tyron right now. Oh, I don't blame Tyron at all either for trying to get on that show. But I think the way to go is to run the the three super fights or do a super fight series where that's the thing, like June, July, August, where you have three months of super fights. If you don't want to put them all on one show, then I, you can that's, kind that's of- good. Then you can kind of spread it out, and you know how UFC loves to do those pressers at the at, during their quarterlies. You have all those people up there on the stage, and you call it the Super Fight Series, and you, you do that. And then you build up the fact that Cain Velasquez maybe fights Fabricio Verdum, and then Tyron Woodley has something to complain about, I guess then. I'm not a part of no Super Fight Series! What's up with this? Like, and he will, but... He defended that title an awful lot, and I understand why he didn't want a a uh, interim champion when he got hurt because he did def- he fought a lot. But I mean, he said those things that the one thing that rubbed me the wrong way is when he said, "Oh, I'll probably be back at the end of March, early April." I was like, "No, you're not. Come on, like you're you are an incredible athlete. You are an outstanding fighter, uh, an awesome welterweight champion. You're not coming back from that." By the end of March or April. Like, I don't doubt that he wanted to. I'm positive he wanted to. If it were up to him, he'd be fighting tomorrow, the next day, the day after that. But that injury is really tough to come back from. And I am very curious to see how Tyron Woodley performs after that. But that that, that all plays into, into the future. They have a few uh, title fights set up. I'm interested in this episode, or this season of Tough, actually. I often speak about that uh, WMMA simulator I play. The new one actually dropped today. I'm going to buy it here in a little bit. <laughs> I did. I wish I got paid by them. I reached out. I reached oh, out for a sponsorship deal to nice. try to do like a giveaway. Never heard back. Unfortunate. But you could run reality shows on there. And the ones that I would always do involved uh, undefeated prospects. Because when you have an undefeated prospect run the gamut in that tournament, well, you can say, look what they've done and they've never been beaten. And you can that you could immediately launch them into a much bigger fight than you could have otherwise. Uh, What do you think about this season of Tough? 
I like it. I mean, I like. I mean, they're always coming up. You, know, you have to come up with different ideas at this point here because the show's been on long enough. Um, I'm not saying I'm guilty of anything, but I don't. I don't watch it anymore. I don't care about it. Uh, I've got to watch the. Um, I'll watch the fights. You know, I, I call that the Sean Ross Sap theory. I'll watch the fights, but there used to be a time when I used to genuinely enjoy watching the show because it gave me an insight as to who these actual people are, which was the whole reason why I created my TV show was when I convinced the network that we already know these people are fighters. We know that they compete, but who are they as people? Um, what what you know what makes them tick? So that was the reason why I, I kind of liked the Ultimate Fighter. I just didn't like the way it was being presented after a while. And bottom line is, is it gets boring. It's stagnant. It gets repetitive right i mean there's only so much you can do i know it's been around forever i get it dana white will promote his teeth alpha regarding it but I, I don't watch it as much but you know when there was the champion series or the champion ultimate fighter champion 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 man, that was pretty cool with tim johnson uh not tim johnson excuse me timothy elliott um i like that but this is a cool one too Ult- i mean undefeated fighters who's going to be that one guy or two guys that make it all the way to the finale um undefeated Right, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And the winner of that fight, you know, like you said, is still undefeated, and in that division can go on and say, you know what, give me a top ten guy. What else do I got to prove? I like it. I really like the idea of putting these uh, undefeated people in there. And hey, when they come out of this tournament, they're all still technically undefeated because of the exhibition rules. Now, yeah. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. I think that something should be amended to where these fights can count on the record or they're expanded a little bit or something like that. Maybe they're they're billed as one-round fights instead of two- or three-round fights. You might get a little more excitement out of them. But uh, hats off to UFC for trying to do something a little bit different the last few seasons with undefeateds and with with champions and things and title shots in, in Tim Elliott's case. They they recognize it now. Do I think that it's it's worth it? I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask Fox Sports that, and I guess we're gonna find out in the coming months whether or not Fox believes that it's worth it. But uh, you know, I, I kind of like that. I, I do. I think it's it's a solid uh, a solid premise for this show. Um, I want your thoughts, Joe. This has happened a lot more lately. And it's happened with a guy on this Brazil show this weekend. Some fighters have had to start like GoFundMe accounts to get their training camps done, to get their their coaches flown out. Now Tim Johnson did this, and we're about to I'm about to show you the clip where he talks about it. He didn't expect this to go public, but when you get the the notion, hey, there's a top 15 UFC fighter, and what they're being paid can't afford them to fly out the their their coaches. And it is two two additional coaches, not just the ones that the UFC fly out. They fly out to for you. What? Where do you stand on that? It's it's just the nature of the game right now. It's the reality of the sport. You know, there isn't that much money in this sport as people think that there actually is. You know, it's it's not cheap. Um, and it's it's so strange that you can compete in a sport that's on mainstream television or pay-per-view uh, and can't afford to do what you need to do to be successful or at least to mentally get you there, right? It sucks. I think it absolutely sucks, but it's the reality. So it's, you know, what, what are the, there's no union for the fighters. They can't negotiate more money. Uh, there's only so much that they can do. So it's it's I think it sucks for the fighters, but this is the state of the sport right now. So uh, James Lynch spoke to Tim Johnson. Take a listen to his explanation. 
And, uh, you know, you, you've been in the headlines uh, recently. I know uh, you set up a, a GoFundMe account to uh, get your coaches out to Brazil to, to corner you. And I, I just checked it the other day. It seems like you met your goals. Uh, were you surprised uh, by the feedback that uh, people were giving and donating to this? Um, yeah, what I was really surprised about was this wasn't supposed to be out of public. This was supposed to be on my private Facebook for my friends and my acquaintances and, you know, that type of stuff to donate. Um but I'm not very good with technology, and so you know, I was, when I posted it, I posted it public and went to bed and then woke up to all of that. So, um, yeah, I was, I was quite surprised. And then, um, you know, there's, uh, uh, there's a guy who donated, Rob Strauss, who, you know, the amount that he had donated was like paid for the whole thing. So, but yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be enough, like, uh, what's going to be nice is there's going to be enough uh, where you can get a pretty good amount to, uh, like, Wounded Warrior. Yeah, no, it's great. And, uh, did, you know, I'm sure there was some negative feedback as well because, you know, people might not understand. Like you said, it was supposed to be private, and, you know, people might misinterpret that and think that, you know, you're looking for, like, a hand-me-out. Um, did you get any negative feedback from anyone, or has it been uh, pretty uh, positive for the most part? Um. You know, once once articles came out on a couple of the sites, I actually went and looked at the comments, and it was, it was probably been, it was probably been like fifty fifty, and I was like, and that's kind of that's kind of a little bit, you know. I if I wanted, I wasn't, you know, these are supposed to be like I said, I was on my private one, um, you know, I was wanted to ask my friends and you know, you know, people who know me and support me, um, that, that that's a little different, you know. If I wanted to like. I didn't want to. I did want to really be asking strangers for money, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. And, that, and and I didn't even, you know, in general, I didn't even, uh, really want to do it. But it was kind of, kind of was stuck. Like you know, uh, Monday, Monday, one of, we thought we had money for all the tickets, and one of the, one of our people who was going to be donating or going to supply some money for it, uh, kind of backed out on it. So, um, we were stuck, we were stuck behind a rock and hard place at a short period of time. Yeah. And for those who didn't see the article, that's sort of the main thing is that you had these sponsors that were supposed to give you money for, uh, you know, going out and, and doing this as far as, you know, bringing the coaches out. And then all of a sudden that money's not there. So it's not like you were in a situation where you're trying to get, you know, your whole entourage out there. You just want a couple coaches just to corner you, especially going down to Brazil again. It's crazy. Yep, yep. So it was just uh, it was just kind of situational, um, but it is you know it all worked out. So I'm happy that that Tim Johnson was able to basically accrue the funds to to make it happen. Uh, apparently, a guy by the name of I think Rob Strauss made it happen really really quickly. So uh, shout outs to him. But we do have this this UFC uh, Balaam show. On Saturday night it is. I think I'm going to do a post show probably Sunday, maybe late Saturday. It's not that bad of a card from top to bottom. Like you got uh, Alcantara, Joe Soto. You have uh, Marias, Tim Means, Tiago Santos versus Anthony Smith could be a lot of fun. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is on the show. Dodson versus Munoz. Machida versus Anders. What are you most excited for on this show Like from an in-cage standpoint? Shevchenko for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valentina is, um, you know, competing at 125 pounds should be fantastic. Um, is this the end for Leoto Machida? That's just the bottom line. Is this the end for Leoto Machida? Yeah. Because I'm at the point now, and I think you and I talked about it during his last fight. Doesn't matter who he fights, I, I don't think he's going to win, <laughs> right? So it'll be interesting to see how Eric Anders can can, if he defeats Leoto, how he can, you know, 
take that victory over a former light heavyweight champion and a pretty big name um, and run with it. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, John Dotson, Pedro Munoz is going to be a, you know, they've had John Dotson fights. It's generally fantastic, yes. not all the time. Uh, but it's going to be a pretty exciting fight. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Prezeris is a blue-collar bruiser uh, against Desmond Green, someone I know very, very well. So interested to see how that one plays out and what it means for the division because Desmond Green is going to have his hands full. Uh, Desmond's reaction time has, has always been his one intangible that people don't talk about. He's very, very good in terms of reacting and being ready to anticipate what, ne- what needs to be done next. And in Prezeris, he may have a fun time uh, with, if Prezeris gets too aggressive and that fight can be taken down on the ground pretty quick. Uh, Santos and Anthony Smith, like you said, that's going to be a barn burner. That's going to be fun. There's a lot of good fun fights here. Yeah. Tim Means is on the card. Dirty Bird's on the card, man. Like, come on. Tim Johnson good. on the show, and he is a, a top 15 UFC heavyweight, even though he's alternated wins and losses. That'll, that'll get you there in that division. For Dodson, you know, he's facing a, a guy in Pedro Munoz who has met a lot of success recently. Four straight wins, three performance of the nights in that that period. Overall in the UFC, he's a five and one with one no contest. He he did have a win in like forty seconds, uh, but it got overturned after he test tested positive for uh, a, a ex, ex I can't pronounce the, the term shit ex, exogenous <laughs> origin of testosterone. Uh, and he lost to a Sun Sal in his first fight. They threw him to the Wolves there. His other, only other loss, his two losses in his career are Rafael Sun Sal and Jimmy Rivera. So it's very clear that below that top level, he succeeds at a very high rate. John Dodson, while he's at that level at flyweight, I don't know if he's at that level at bantamweight because he's ran into the same problems, Joe. Uh, John Lineker, Marlon Marias... And all of a sudden, he sits at 2-2 two and two at Bantamweight. Now, he moved to Bantamweight likely because he knew he wasn't getting another shot at Demetrius Johnson. No. Do you think we see him back at Flyweight eventually? Well, if he doesn't fight, it's it's tough to say with Dotson because if he doesn't come out victorious here, he's in big trouble. You can't do anything at Flyweight because, you know, Demetrius Johnson is going to just beat you again. And if you, you, you moved up because, you know, in essence, it's that, that's just the theory that you weren't able to do anything at 125 pounds. So you moved, you moved to 135 pounds uh, to find some success. Now, in the Lineker fight, it was a split decision. Yes. But it was also a fight that it's a dangerous fight. When you fight a guy like Lineker, you've got to be careful. But you have to be able to pull the trigger. So you come back and you beat Eddie Wineland. Okay, that's cool. Eddie's at the tw- in the twilight of his career. Let's be honest. He's been, he's been around for a long time. He's taken a lot of damage. Still has skills. He did go the distance with John, but it was a unanimous decision. Um, and then you can make the same sort of argument with Marlon Morris, where John Dodson simply did not pull the trigger as much as he should have, and Marlon emerged victorious. Split decision, right? Is what it is. Those two losses that he does have at 135 pounds uh, since he came back are split decisions against two of the top contenders in the division. So he's considered a top contender. So I don't think he needs to go back to 125 pounds. He just has to figure out what it is that's not making him win fights by a finish and or why he's not winning on those judges' scorecards. Also, I'm very interested in the Joe Soto-Yuri Alcantara fight. Joe Soto once challenged on on a whim, essentially, for the UFC Bantamweight Championship. Last Went to the, fi- the fifth round with TJ Dillashaw. After that, he lost three fights in a row. Then he won three fights in a row. Lost to Brett Johns with that that calf slicer immediately last month. He got right back in there. He was like, all right, sign me up next month. 
And he's up against Yuri Alcantara, who's 37 years old, has lost two fights in a row. He had that great comeback against Luke Sanders, but before that, he didn't look that great. He beat Brad Pickett in England uh, last year, had a performance of the night, had a fight of the night with Jimmy Rivera. He is, again, almost 50 fights deep in his career that we know of because he's been fighting since 2003. If he loses the third straight fight, is he out of the UFC? Good question. He's not. He's not a guy who's headlined like he's not a, the type of guy that can afford four in a row. I don't think, or that they yeah. will afford four in a row. And it's a division that continues to have a ton of talent, mm-hmm. although it's top heavy at the moment. Um, yeah, four in a row. That would not look good at all. I mean, I'm just taking a look here. Well, three in a row. Um, this would would be a loss against a bigger name than Perez or Kelleher, right? Yeah. Uh, he's lost to Rivera and Frankie Sainz. Um, oh, my. He fought Von Lee. Poor Von Lee. He yeah. He's one of my favorites. Oh, he beat Von Lee. Sorry. Um, I think Yuri's in big trouble with a third loss. Big, big trouble. I think he gets cut. Yeah, I do too. Ah, oh, man. So uh, we also have Marias versus Tim Means. That's a good fight. I mean, any any fight with Tim Means, you can throw anybody in there, and you can expect that he will make it at least a decent fight. He'll fight anywhere. Brazil, okay. Australia, okay. Las Vegas, yeah, sure, why not? Go ahead and throw me out there. Uh, he's fought in Canada, places like that. But he came in the UFC in his second run, and like if you saw him in Legacy in 13 and 14, you knew he was going to be back. Like He just looked so good after that two-fight losing streak. He came into the UFC and he went like six and one, and then had that fight with Alex Oliveira, and I don't think he's ever been the same since uh, since uh, December of 2016. He's won one of his last four fights. He ran into Bilal Muhammad. That ain't easy. What do you think uh, goes down here against Sergio Marias, who before he ran into Kamaru Usman was just unstoppable for years. Yeah, so what? So yet, so the MMA math is difficult to figure out on this one because you know Marias was twelve two and one and runs into a Kamaru Usman who KO'd him. Now on paper you would have to assume that Tim Means is a much better striker than Kamaru Usman, right? Kamaru's game, striking game, continues to improve. Uh, he's obviously a force in this division. He's a guy that you know apparently nobody wants to fight. Uh, that's in the top five or top ten. Nobody wants to fight him. UFC's having a hard time matching up uh, opponents with him, and then you know. Sergio goes in and fights him and gets KO'd. You would think that Tim Means, with his striking prowess, would be able to make not quick or easy work uh, of Sergio Marais, but enough to say, you know what, dude, if Kamara Usman knocked you out and I'm a better striker than Kamara Usman, you're going to sleep. You're going to sleep and I'm going to knock you out. But it's MMA, and I think Sergio's going to do what he can to try and engage or get a clinch with Tim, get this fight down on the ground and control him. You got 15 minutes, you might as well use them. Right, that fight that Tim had with Bilal Muhammad, again was a split decision. Although I did score for Bilal, it was it was a close fight, definitely a close fight. Um, but he did pound out Alex Garcia. Alex Garcia again, another fighter that, that this is weird sometimes in terms of pulling the trigger. Uh, but other than that, like you said, those cowboy fights were not fun at all. I mean, he should have, in my opinion, defeated Cowboy both times. But is what it is. Also on this show. Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith, that should be a slugfest. I would expect Timothy Johnson, Marcelo Gaum to be a slugfest, but 
you know, Timothy or Timothy Johnson went to four straight decisions, so maybe that isn't the case, and got knocked out by Junior Albini his his last go around. Yeah, Junior Albini was Shevch- that the diaper? Is that diaper gate? Yes, yes. Shevchenko uh, against Priscilla. That is, you would think it's a showcase for Valentina Shevchenko at one twenty-five. What do you think? I'm going to say yes. Although, why are you showcasing her on a card in Brazil? That's my only. Right, like I mean, do do I don't know. You tell me, do Americans? Because I know Canadians are like, we're like, they, not that we really care where the fight's taking place, but there's a bit of a cachet when it's in our own country or in our own area code or area in general. The fact that it's in Brazil, Valentina Shevchenko, who we're going to be talking about as a potential number one contender at 125 pounds, her for her fight's taking place in Brazil. Yeah, and Kashreya was she was scheduled to face Lauren Murphy last month at the. The Tough 26 finale, it got canceled uh, over the past, like, I think since July. She's had trouble with opponents staying in fights, but still got a couple fights in. She is 8-0. Uh, she, of late, has been a finisher. She went to a majority decision with Marta Souza in Brazil. But other than that, uh, you know, there always is the unknown of an undefeated fighter who could just emerge. And if if she beats Valentina Shevchenko, she might be talking title fight. And fight yeah. number two in the UFC. Because yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. You take out a top contender and you'll is, – is Nico Montana injured? Yeah. Okay. All right. So bad for Valentina, bad for Priscilla, bad for everyone in that yeah. division. But eventually she's going to have to defend that title. So like you said, a lot of the divisions that you mentioned during the last Holy Smokes podcast, they're all – that there's time for them to filter themselves out. Yeah. And they're – UFC is in a place where they have so many champions right now. That it's a benefit because it's not every few pounds. It's no less than every 10 pounds. But there's no excuse to not have a championship fight on every single pay-per-view. Always been the goal. Always been the goal. But, yeah, people get injured. It's so stupid. It's so weird. Yeah. But, yeah, Nico Montano uh, said early last month, right after winning the title, she needed foot surgery. The big one is Eric Anders, Lyoto Machida. Eric Anders, 2-0 in the UFC, just debuted there last July. I mean, he was he was he became LFA middleweight champion in June of 2017. And here he is, six months, six and a half months later, facing former UFC light heavyweight champion Lyoto Machida in the main event of a of a Fox Sports One show. Now, the ratings for UFC have been up and down and up and down and up and down. I don't know that there's a particular rhyme or reason for anything these days. Like, just sometimes people will, will catch on. In my day, Joe, UFC used to put big shows on before Super Bowl. That ain't the case anymore. They ain't yeah, in the country. Yeah, and quickly on Eric, he's a minus 280 favorite. Third fight in the UFC, fighting a former champion. He's a minus 280 favorite, which is significant. So, uh, good on him. But, yeah, I mean, this whole UFC... Putting on an event before Super Bowl, you always think they used to always have a pay per view on Super Bowl weekend. Yeah, they chose not to do it this time. Uh, I've been to my fair share of, of trips, uh, actually watching a Super Bowl in whatever city, usually Vegas, uh, or being stuck at the airport having to leave the Sunday, I'm missing a Super Bowl, or it's happening in the air. So um, usually they're big shows, they're big big shows. So I don't know why the UC didn't, you know, sort of. Move a few things around. Maybe they'd want to run the risk of Minnesota because Minnesota in early February could be really bad. 
you know, with snow and everything. And I, I, could, I could understand that. But Eric Anders, Lyoto Machida. Lyoto Machida's best work has always been, in my opinion, when he gets aggressive. And he doesn't do the things that he's often criticized for, which is waiting and counterpunching to a fault almost, to where he gets outpointed and beaten. Now, I, I can't say that it's always worked out for him to be aggressive because sometimes you will uh, run into Derek Brunson or Yoel Romero and get knocked out. <laughs> but at this point, you've lost four or five. You've lost three in a row. I can't believe they're having him headline a show. It's in its hometown, so that's why. I mean, I, I understand that, but man, the guy has not won a fight in over three years. Poor decision. Poor decision. Yeah, I get it. I understand who, why, why who he's in the main fight? event. Eric Counters. I think so too. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I just in in looking at. I hope Leoto proves me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but at this point in this stage in his career, the way he competes, um, the speed and the reaction time is what's slowed down. His power is there. If he can connect, it'll cause problems for Eric. But it's just it's it's there comes a time. When it's all shh, done, so yeah, you're, you got to go. So um, hang him up. But maybe the fact that he's competing in his hometown will allow him to have that extra boost of energy, uh, that extra motivation to train, that little bit of pressure that you need uh, to be on point, to be really, really sharp, right? But he's been around, man. Like The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Derek Brunson getting dummied again by um, Jacare Souza. And then you look up and down this record here, like Yoel Romero and Luke Rockhold are competing for the interim championship next. I mean, those are his, those are his last three opponents. He got a victory over C.B. Dalloway. Uh, you know, C.B. Dalloway was, was you know, he, he, had, he, was, he was kissing that, that top tier of the middleweight division at one point, but never really there. And that's what Lyoto's last victory is, right? So it, it is kind of weird, but I, I don't see him winning this fight. Enough of what we think. <laughs> what do the pros think? Eric Andrews has actually done some training with us here in South Carolina before he was in the UFC. Um, uh, my, my buddy Eric Andrews, he's an undefeated fighter, and you saw what he's been doing in the UFC. He's been staying, staying very consistent. Um, Leo Machida has a very similar style as I do. There are some differences, but Leo Machida, it almost feels like he's... Um, just not into it anymore and you can kind of tell through his interviews that he's been taking his last performances he's just not the same um but you know he's gonna go out there um you know in shape but i think my man my man eric andrews is gonna go out there and do work 
Man, who gives a shit? You can read between the lines, but I'm not a big fan of Machida right now. How do I? How do I? How do I go about this? Machida picked the easiest fight he could pick at the main event, and I'm still not 100% sure he's going to win. Uh, Eric Anders is tough, you know. If, if he's a tough dude, he's he's really green, you know. He, he's still he's still developing. Um, you know, I have nothing bad to say about that guy. You know, he's just a tough dude. But you know, I, probably Machida. You know, I'd probably say Machida's going to win that fight. Um, I think Eric Anders has no choice but to try to. He, he can't stand on the outside and strike with with Machida, and uh, he's got to rush in and close the distance fast. Uh oh, uh oh, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, he'll rush in and get caught. I'd imagine. So that that's my prediction. I'm such an old school. I'm such an old school guy. I have a uh, Yoto Machida winning. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Eric Anders. I feel like he's the the up and comer. He's a his cardio looked great in his last fight. He stayed very, very – he was looking for the finish the whole time. Didn't gas himself out. Didn't force the finish. I was very impressed with his last fight. Um, even though I didn't really know too much about the dude he came, that he was fighting, I knew the guy was 9-0. But, um, like, he, he impressed me. He hits hard. His cardio looked great. His combinations were good. I think Machida – I love Machida, man. Uh, he, he He's a, he's an old-school guy, I feel like. And I feel like it's a little bit too – it's the end of his career, latter end of his career. So I'm going to go with uh, Eric Anders by TKO. No, I mean, I, I think it's time for an up-and-comer. I mean, I think that this new guy's going to get get it done. Um, I don't know in what fashion, though. Ah, you know, uh, you want to go with the young blood, so I'll, I'll take Eric Anders. But uh, Leoto's tricky, and he's, I wouldn't re- really write him off, you know. He got caught against Brunson, and he's, he's still always game, and he's got a tricky style. But, yeah, I'll take Anders. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go with the old-school guy. I'm going to go with Machida, go with the Dragon. Well, Leon is a veteran. He was a former champ, but I think he's done. Like uh, his comeback wasn't uh, great, and now he's fighting a, a guy that is two and zero in the UFC. Uh, he's my he's my friend. He's, we have the same manager. I just think Eric is a Eric. Don't have the experience, and probably he don't have the 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 the, the, the same level right now. Probably, but he's hungry. He's he's young, and he 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 would take more. That much easier than Leon right now. I think Eddie will pull that win, and after that, he will become a star in the in the sport. A lot of people picking Eric Anders. You all will hear from him at the end of the show. Uh, very excited for that. UFC Brazil Super Bowl Saturday. Yeah. Also, the ten year anniversary of my wife and I first dating. So hopefully, hopefully, I won't be around for that. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Hopefully Absolutely. I'll be doing something. Like, I don't know what yet. I'm not good at planning. But well, seeing it's, Wrestle, it's WrestleMania weekend. No, no, no. Uh, or Super Bowl weekend, excuse yes. me. Uh, I, this whole WrestleMania thing has got me uh, – I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't been able to – I have Royal Rumble been... weekend. Yeah, WrestleMania weekend is April 6th and 7th. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a while away. But what did you make of this whole Ronda Rousey thing? Well, you boys – at Fightful.com broke the story that she was uh, training for pro wrestling in last August. She had been doing a little bit before that. She had participated in a Rocky Romero seminar. She had trained with Brian Kendrick in L.A. Uh, she has been going back and forth to the Performance Center. Like They are in acquisition mode, and they got a big one. Now, there, there was a funny thing made of this today, and I'll go ahead and address it for those who are watching it that might be wrestling fans, that her video on YouTube... Didn't do as many views as Rey Mysterio's return. Rey Mysterio showed up in awesome shape, but there's a reason for that. 
WWE also ran that clip on Facebook. They didn't run the Rey Mysterio clip. It took a lot of views, got over a million there. Also, when WWE does something that crosses over like this, they will send the clip to Yahoo, to ESPN, to SportsCenter, which is oftentimes a separate feed from ESPN, and it does like 700 to 2 million views on its own there, too. So the numbers that that did that I could track down were closer to 8 million. That doesn't include like when you go to an ESPN.com and you read their article and watch the video in their embedded player because those don't even count. That is several million more. So her uh, debut created a ton of buzz, uh, Joe, and some people thought it maybe took the spotlight off of the women who just participated in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble. I think, if anything, it spotlighted them more and... The, the three in the ring with her are going to be major, major players for years to come in the WWE. So uh, <clears throat> you see an Asuka, who is the closest thing pro wrestling had to a Ronda Rousey. You have Charlotte, who I think is a cut above everybody else in star power. And you have Alexa Bliss, who is really putting all that together. She is the, the prototypical WWE pretty girl who has really rose to the occasion when she's actually in the ring. And having a Ronda Rousey thrown in the mix, Joe, I don't think that's going to hurt. And you know as well as anybody, Joe, the last few years, even before her winning streak ended, she didn't smile a lot. She was a very, like, man, she would just, like, always... She got mad at Paige Van Zant for congratulating Holly Holm for winning a fight, like... She was a very confrontational woman, and I've not seen that. I've not seen Ronda Rousey smile and be happy. Like, good God, I haven't seen that in forever. And I've had people, I've got people saying right now, I'm positive she can't take bumps. I don't want to see a bad wrestler. Well, then, I don't know how much judo you've done, buddy, because judo is taking bump after bump after bump after bump after bump (laughs) over and over again. My God, that's, that's all it is. That's another thing, Joe. She's going to incorporate judo throws that pro wrestling has never seen before. She invented one on the fly when Triple H ran at her and she was at an angle she wasn't supposed to be and did like a hip throw, hip toss type of deal. She's got a lot of a lot of knowledge in there that's going to translate very, very well. And I've got people saying the bumps are when she was much younger. You don't forget how to take them, buddy. Break falls are a part of judo. They're a part of catch wrestling. They're a part of MMA. That's why a lot of people uh, from MMA have such a smooth transition over to pro wrestling. Like that's just that's something that you learn. Yeah, and, and this is like Ronda Rousey or any judo player's complete and utter dream to be able to throw yeah. people uh, and make a spectacle of the throws because you know there's a lot of judo throws that are are very exciting. Uh, some are very technical and they're very difficult to pull off, but when you do, they look fantastic. And now you're going to have a willing participant that is going to allow you, who's going to take those bumps uh, and l- allow you to absolutely launch you. That is freaking cool. Sorry, man. I mean, we've seen some crazy stuff. I don't know if you watched the last uh, Titan FC main event shoulder throw. Right now, when you do a oh, shoulder yeah. throw, right, and you turn it over, the point is to get what's called a nippon in in, in judo. Opponent yeah. lands on their back. That's the match. It's it's done. Oh, well, in MMA, if you do it a tad differently, the opponent's body weight comes and his face smashes into the mat. 
Yeah, like, oh, so that's the thing. You're supposed to, if you if you know one's coming in MMA, pro wrestling, anything, you're supposed to take the back bump. You, yeah. Like, Go with legitimately, it. legitimately, guys, I know a lot of people are, watch this show are just getting in MMA. In MMA, you learn how to take bumps the same way you do in pro wrestling very often because if maybe you get dumped or something and you put your arm out to stop it, that's broken collarbone very Done. often. Saw it my first uh, month in the gym. And uh, you learn to fall like that. <laughs> when you don't know how to fall or if it's done just in a manner where you can't, yeah, that arm goes down and your face slams right into the mat. I was going to bring that up before you said it. Uh, my catch wrestling coach did that to a guy one time. And then there was another time that we caught a really acrobatic guy in there who was able to put his hand down and cartwheeled out of it. And I was, I was like, just going to say, yeah. That can happen too, and uh, ended up taking the back and sinking in those hooks. I am very excited to see how the judo plays out. Like we see it here and there. Santino Morella incorporated a little bit in there because he had a background. Uh, Rusev occasionally does. We saw Vladimir Kozlov do that, but I mean, this is her. And in as far as women's MMA goes, we have never seen somebody or women's wrestling. We've never seen anybody with this level of judo. Do this. And I mean, guys, like, she didn't just stop taking these bumps whenever she stopped doing judo. She did them throughout MMA, too. Now, I don't know what all that her crappy coach had her doing. But, I mean, you all also have to remember, her best friend was Shayna Baszler for years. Shayna Baszler, who competed for the NXT Women's Championship on Saturday night and had a hell of a match. Uh, Her other best friend is married to Roderick Strong who is in NXT and doing great. Her other best friend is Jessamyn Duke, now training as a professional wrestler. So uh, She's got just unlimited resources. I'm very excited to see what they cook up for her. Her idea of full-time is not a normal fan's idea of full-time. Like, she's getting full-time money, but she's not like, she's not going to wrestle in Corbin, Kentucky in a couple weeks or anything. I think it's the right move. She seems very happy. Also, I want to give props to the UFC for being so supportive of her tweeting out the news, uh, putting it out there. Dana White apparently is very, very good to Ronda Rousey. And I, I got to say, for people that have done a lot for Dana White, sometimes he's he's good to them. Like in the case of a Forrest Griffin or Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey. I just wish everybody else got that as well. Well, in the episode, our, one of our first episodes ever, uh, for Fightful way back when, when we started the site. Uh, and I think I may have mentioned it on, on my podcast or James Lynch's podcast, the MMA Industry Podcast. I think I brought it up. The one thing people will always ask me, and it happened again on this uh, this weekend, you know, you know Dana White, Joe. You've met Dana White. You've had conversations. And what do you think of Dana White? Is he that much of an a-hole? And I'm like, no, he's not. He's not that bad of a guy when you get him off camera. The one thing all you need to know about Dana White is he'll always have your back. He'll help you if you help him. The one thing you never, ever do with Dana White is F with his business. If you mess with his business and you make an, he makes an enemy of you, he'll never let it go. He'll hold yeah. a grudge forever. right? You help him, he will help you. At the same time, can he do a lot more than what he's done for many, many people in the industry, whether it's fighters and managers and media and stuff like that? Yeah, of course. But you get on his bad side. You know, you, it's it's your call. If you want to have, I tell people all the time, it's your call. If you want to draw the line with Dana White and go toe to toe with him, be my guest. 
but don't expect him to be your friend afterwards. You've made an enemy. He's always looking for enemies. That's just Dana, right? Yeah. But be his friend. Do what do you know? You have a relationship. Do what you got to do. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. He'll have your back. Not all the time, but you know he's 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 generally a good dude. So look at Ronda Rousey and how much money he made, uh, or, or they made from Ronda Rousey. She made a lot of money too and a lot of exposure sure. and blah, blah blah. But at the same time, he knows you ain't coming back. You can't compete at this level. We could make the argument that they protected her against Cyborg, right? So. Yeah. You know, now, by all means, you're not going to be competing anymore. We'll help you out. Go ahead. I like it. I like it. One thing we didn't touch on. Do you think uh, – Cain Velasquez says he won't fight Daniel Cormier, but then after – like before that, he had said like, oh, if Cormier wins, it's going to get interesting. I'm like, come on, man. And that would be a big money fight too. I think that's a real good fight. However, after seeing AJ Matthews cry in the cage after beating Kendall Grove this week in a fight that – they didn't really want... Like, A.J. Matthews didn't have much of a choice. A.J. Matthews was, like, on a three-fight losing streak, showed up, never looked better. Kendall Grove didn't want to fight him. And let me tell you guys, Kendall Grove wants to fight everybody. He <laughs> wants to fight me, probably. Like, and I like the guy. But I saw that emotion in there, and we've seen the emotion from Daniel Cormier before. I don't know if I want to see friends, like, fight when they don't want to. That's... That... It's so weird that AJ Matthews put it in perspective for me, but he really did. What did he say? Because I'll give you my response. Man, with, he was with... just crying in the cage after he won. <laughs> like he was, he was messed up about it. It seemed. Yeah, and this was this was a hot topic way back when when George St. Pierre was a middleweight or was the was the welterweight champion. Uh, a lot of people, you know, f- friends should be fighting friends and friends this and blah blah. And you know, we we actually had a feature on it, talking to a lot of the UFC talent and saying, you know, would you fight? this teammate or that teammate and for the vast majority of them they were always no 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 we're friends we're friends but sometimes friends leave they they leave camps um you know you look at some guys that are like like teron woodley he was with american top team potentially coconut creek he's left now already from american top team wants to fight him so there are certain friendships or teammates there there's a there's a different layer and a different line between teammates and friends and you know when we would ask a lot of the fighters you know would you fight this friend or that friend and you know we would get those yeses and nos but george made it clear you know, I would never, ever, ever fight a friend. If they're a friend, that means they, you know, they would come to my house for dinner. We'd go out for dinner. We'd go out for lunch. And the one thing I think was regarding Rory McDonald at the time, would he ever fight Rory McDonald if Rory McDonald made his way up there? And he said no. And one of the reasons being at the time and other people uh, that are quote-unquote friends is the way he – we have it on camera. And the way he explained it is like just imagine you're mounted on your friend – and that elbow that you throw and launch cracks your friend's cranium and ends his career. For what? Yeah. Right? I get it. He said, I understand it's a business. I'm in the business of fighting. But there's plenty of people that I can fight that Tons. don't have to be my friends. Tons. Tons. So, yeah. Uh, I definitely encourage you guys. The, the fight wasn't that, that great. I mean, AJ Matthews looked really, really good on that show. But... Man, I saw that, and it, it changed my mind on a lot of things. And as much as I would really like to see a Daniel Cormier Cain Velasquez fight, I, I don't want to see Daniel Cormier messed up mentally. And I've had my issues with the way that Daniel Cormier acts sometimes. I thought that he used to be a bully on the UFC show, Fox show with Dominic Cruz and Kenny Florian. He hasn't been anymore. 
I think he is the Joe Rogan of the future. I think that he is the the voice of the UFC for maybe the next decade and a half, for the next 15 years. I think that he will be the guy that we look back at and we'll be like, not only was he a great fighter, but he had that famous call. He had that famous call. As obnoxious as I thought the Rose Namajunas one was, that is iconic now, his call of that. So I don't know that I want to see that guy torn like in his last year in the sport after all that he has went through mentally not just from John Jones alone but like in his life before that from the Olympics to losing his daughter you know I don't need to see that man experiencing unnecessary mental pain because of that man they're saying Bisping Luke Mate is saying Bisping is the biggest bully on Fox now yep yeah or nay what is it now Bisping is the biggest bully on Fox. Oh, without right it, now. without a doubt, <laughs> undoubtedly, yeah. Michael's funny. Oh man, so uh, there was a rules mix-up at UFC 220, and some real bad judges in Charlotte. Now we didn't get your thoughts on Charlotte in general. What did you think of that show? What stood out to you? Well, I, you know my theory. Whenever it comes to having to catch up on a UFC event, and ninety percent of the fights go the distance. Oh yeah. Like, come on, guys, girls, whatever. But you know, I, I, I'll, I'll just quickly look at it right now. Um, the the Pachel Silva fight was okay. I mean, it was just again glorified sparring for the most part. But they did go at each other. Um, the Kim and Kish fight, I I, I enjoyed that fight. I did too. Um, just Justine again. Just it's a split decision, but just switch that one gear. You know what? Get in the she, pocket a little e- bit. She's either shitting her pants or getting shit on by the judges. Like there's, there's no in between because she won that fight, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, one judge gave it thirty twenty seven to Kim. Ugh. like hideous I, and hideous. Yeah, five out of six fights on those Fox Sports One prelims went to a decision. Yuck! That that trio of women's fights left a bad taste in my mouth. Shikagan won, Marcos won. Those were not good fights. And the Kish Kim fight was good, but then when the scorecard was read, I was like, "Man, come on!" That like it left it. It just ruined it for me. Uh, however, Gregor Gillespie won. They they could be uh, they could do a lot worse than having a New Yorker be four and zero in the UFC. Nico Price won. He's he's looking good. What more could have a Derek could Derek Brunson have done on that head kick? That head kick was going to knock him out no matter what. He blocked it and it still knocked him out. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, I, I, the one thing or the few things that I was talking about leading up to the show here is I want to see how Mursad Bektech was going to perform, uh, considering his last fight, and he performed fantastic. Two minutes and forty-seven seconds. Uh, I think you know Pepe was the exact opponent that he needed to get his confidence back. He looked great. Uh, Bobby Green is just a disaster. I love him. He's just fantastic. He's just one of the funniest guys. I said it before. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met in the sport. Uh, he keeps forgetting that he's in the octagon fighting, and you don't have to say yes, sir, or okay. Um, what did you make of his, his post-fight interview when he's saying, y'all calling out my cousin, you need to go through me first, Eddie Alvarez, Kevin Lee? I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. Sure, why not? Use whatever angle you can find. <laughs> Yeah, and then of course you know Gillespie, like you said, conti- he looked fantastic, man. Like Rinaldi for being a brown belt, unable to get out of that position, that back mount, he was just you know getting rained on. And I think it was a good ref stoppage because it was getting to the point where it's like maybe those punches aren't necessarily landing flush, but that the, the force that's being generated is going through the gloves into the skull. So yeah. good job by the ref stopping that one there. The Philly Bermudas fight, I was like. 
So I'll give what? you guys some breakdowns of the media. Let's see. 12 to 3, Bermudez. Fan scores, 67.3% had it for Bermudez. Uh, the Dober-Camacho fight, it was 50% Camacho, 45% Dober, and then th- like 4% had a draw. It was right down the middle like between Dober, Camacho, and draw from the media. Kish and Kim, it was, I think, 12 to 4 media. 86% thought Kish won that fight. Um, all of them went the opposite direction of what the, the, the fan scoring was. Yeah. It's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but it is what it is. It's done. Nothing that we can do about it right now, but they need to fix some stuff up there for, in Charlotte. For Bermudez, but, though, I mean, like, he's lost three in a row. They're messing with the man's livelihood at this point. Yeah, that's and that's something that that big John McCarthy always talked about uh, in the courses, the difference between what a referee does and what a judge does and why it's important to be, uh, you know, certified. And, and it's just it's terrible that, that fighters I, – I, and I've said it before. I don't really hash on it too much, but I think it's complete and utter bullshit. Honestly, when it's like when people say don't leave it in the judge's decision, don't leave it in the judge's hands. Yeah. Well, the judges should be competent enough to say if this fight does go the distance and according to the unified rules of mixed martial arts, here's who won round one or here's how it was scored round one, two, three, and potentially four and five. Those are supposed to be specialists basically saying you two were not able to finish this fight based on the unified rules. Here's who won. I get the, the, the small things of the, that there's subjectivity. There really shouldn't be, technically speaking, because – Bottom line is I can go and break it down for you scenario by scenario by scenario by scenario, but who the frig is winning the fight? Who's doing what to end the fight? That's what we're doing here. I know it's a sport, but the bottom line is is it's a fight. Who is doing what to end the fight? And I know sometimes rounds are close and it's the smallest thing, but what is that smallest thing that tried to end the fight? If it gets boiled down to a takedown, one takedown is all that happened. I could understand that. But if there's takedowns in a round, the purpose of the takedown is to change where the fight is taking place to bring it down to the ground so you can continue trying to end the fight. It's not designed to get the takedown and stay there. You don't win anything with that. But, you know, fighters think if I get the takedown in the final minute, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, uh, there's a lot. I mean, even some of the commentators don't know what the frig they're talking about. Like, you're, you're a fighter. You should know this. But some of them don't. So when I see some of this stuff happening that, you know, a referee is in charge of somebody's life, safety and someone's life. A judge is in charge of someone's livelihood. Bermudez is getting screwed right now, paycheck after paycheck after paycheck. And I think it absolutely sucks, but it's 2018. I've been talking this shit for 10, 15 years. I mean, it's not going to change. Yep. I'm with you, man. I Bermudez probably won that Elkins fight too. I mean, it was razor thin, but good God, the poor guy cannot catch a break and now he's lost three in a row. I get the feeling maybe UFC will keep him around though because he's he's a very versatile guy that they can put ver- uh, almost everywhere. Eric Anders spoke to James Lynch ahead of his UFC Brazil fight. What, what are you throwing up the finger for? One thing I forgot. We didn't talk about Sosa. Real quick. Oh. Real quick, Sosa. I didn't get a chance to speak about Sosa before you get to Eric. Um, you and I talked about it during the last podcast, which Sosa was going to show up and how would he react uh, after your boy, 
uh, Whitaker demoed him. Yes, demoed him, and I think Sosa proved once again that he's still a badass in this division. Although it is Derek Brunson, I think Derek Brunson's still a contender. So I'm 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 really looking at the fact that Sosa's still up there. I want you know. I yeah. Mean, is there a Weidman fight in the future potentially? He his striking was really really accurate when he followed up on that head kick. And like I said, there's Brunson leaves his ch- chin out here when he strikes and stuff, but he had that blocked. But it didn't matter. It there's what else could he do? Yeah, Joe, are we wearing the same shirt? Are we? Is <laughs> are we really? <laughs> Is yours blue? Oh no, it's gray. But yeah, mine's who blue. Who can mine's tell? Blue. Oh yeah. my god! Very cool. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna just uh, zip up my hoodie here. <laughs> Completely covered up. There we go. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay, sorry, Eric. Go to go to Eric Anders. My we bad. Sp- James Lynch spoke to Eric Anders. The full exclusive interview is on our YouTube at Fightful or YouTube.com slash Fightful and at Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Check it out. I also saw you did some training with uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Carl Reed over at uh, Upstate Karate. Um, I know you'd trained there in the past, but was it just the fact that you knew you were fighting Machida and you're like, hey, I got to get these guys because they have the karate style and everything? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it really helps when you can get a look. Um, and somebody, you know, Machida, you know, he's very unorthodox and he's got that karate style and whatnot. So, um, I thought it'd be a good idea to go down to, uh, South Carolina and get a look at that style. And I think that, uh, you know, Wonder Boy, he's a little bit younger. I think he's a little bit more fast and explosive. So, you know, um, I, I think that he moves a lot faster than Machida would be able to look, move. So, uh, it was definitely a good look. Yeah, it certainly was. And how good is Carl Reed? I mean, people saw him in the Contender Series, but I don't think what people realize is that now he's finally training full-time. I think the potential for him is just insane. Yeah, no, the potential for him is, is through the roof. You know, a guy that big with a, with a grappling pedigree that he has. Um, but what I think people don't realize about him is how well he moves on his feet. Um, you know, he I think he's only been training two or three years and uh, or at Wonder Boys for two or three years and Man, he moves almost exactly like Wonder Boy. Cool. How do you feel like you match up against Machida? I mean, he's had a bit of a rough go. He's been knocked out in a bunch of his last fights. Um, did you feel like he's kind of lost a step heading into this one? Um, I mean, you know, he's 40, you know. Um, I think he's still dangerous, but at the same time, you know, he's he's not 25. And, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, once, once you get to that age. So, you know, um, I don't think it's any secret that, uh, you know, he's lost a step or two. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, he's still got that spring and that bounce. So, you know, definitely still very dangerous. But, uh, you know, I think my pressure and moving forward and, you know, getting him backed up against the cage, I think that's the key and the ingredients to uh, beating the Oda Machida. I agree. And as far as a Spartan uh, training there at back at home, is it just the usual uh, training partners, Omar Johnson, guys like that? Yeah, well, actually, Omar Johnson's moved on to, uh, he moved back to Mobile, back home. Uh, you know, he had a, a really good opportunity for his son to go to school, a really um, uh, critically acclaimed school. So down there at, uh, I believe it's St. Paul's, down there in Mobile. So, you know, he'll be in that, that school system growing up. So, uh, you know, kids need that education. So um, he's down there. I'm sure he's going to find a place to train and uh you know, continue uh, to have success in the MMA world. But, uh, you know, wish him the best of luck. And, uh, 
you know, everybody else is still here, man. You know, uh, Elkins is still here. His big brother comes in, who's a two-time All-American in college, uh, comes in and assists with the wrestling and stuff. So uh, definitely getting some good looks and uh, uh, learning some new trades. Is that going to be difficult heading into this fight? Because you've had Omar, I believe, in your corner for a lot of fights. He's been a really good sort of coach for you. Has, has that been a bit of an adjustment? Uh, yeah, man. Every, anytime a guy of Omar's caliber steps away from the gym, you know, you definitely – uh, going to be hard-pressed to fill those shoes. But, um, you know, guys have really stepped up, and, you know, I'm getting the looks and the work. So heading down to Brazil here in a few weeks, being very confident in my preparation. And you have to do the weight cut a little bit differently with the fact that you are heading down to Brazil. I mean, this is, if I'm not mistaken, this is your first fight overseas. Yeah, so uh, the good thing for me, you know, it, it's summertime down there. So, you know, it's going to be hot as hell in Belém. You know, it's right there on the equator. So, uh, you know, I don't think cutting weight is going to be a big deal. We're hitting down uh, like four or five days sooner, earlier than, uh, than we're used to going to adjust to the uh, to the heat. You know, let my lungs and body adjust to the climate change and the, the time change and whatnot. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal. And how do you see this fight sort of playing out on February 3rd? I'm definitely searching for a finish. I think that, uh, you know, I touched the yellow, you know, once or twice with my left hand and, uh, you know, that'll be the end of that. Where do you feel like a win over Leona Machida puts you? Because that'll keep your unblemished record intact. That would be 11-0, and 0, and that would be a nice win on the resume. Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, everybody thinks that uh, I'm like a, a gimmick or a flash in the pan. Oh, he played football, so blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what they don't know is I am a true mixed martial artist, and I think that a win over Leona uh, Machida will um, give a little credibility to my name and, you know, then I think they'll give me a, um, a younger guy, you know, a tougher guy or what, whatnot. And, uh, you know, after I dispatch him, I think that I will have arrived in the middleweight division. So, Joe, this afternoon I picked up the new UFC game. Might do a review, might not, I don't know. Only got to play a little bit of it because I had people asking. It starts off... With the narrative, your first fight as your tutorial is Conor McGregor defending the title against Tony uh, Ferguson with the the complete talking point. John Anik, like, in there saying, Tony Ferguson has been calling out Conor McGregor saying defender vacate. Like, so I think that's a very nice touch they added to the game. It's not as smooth on the first play as the last one, but I'll, I'll tinker with it a little more and I'll report back to you guys probably this weekend or... Next week, I'm going to play that, and I'll probably play uh, the WMMA 5 game as well, if I get a little bit of time. I'm on the search for a weekday and weekend editor, so might not have the time this week. But there's also some big news in the world of boxing, and this transcends boxing, in my opinion. Triple G Canelo 2, I am ready for that fight. I had to cover that fight when I was in Orlando for my, my... late honeymoon that was a hell of a fight the decision come on now <laughs> but I, I'm I'm here for them doing this again I'm all for it I will tune in I will buy the pay-per-view I will watch and I'll probably yeah. have to run a podcast with Carlos after yeah that's going to be another fantastic fight I mean I think we're going to get 12 rounds of the same craziness mm-hmm. um do you think Canelo uh changes up the game plan I mean, he has ah, to. Oh, man, they would have to. 
right? Based on what happened in the last fight, he was making too many errors and allowing Triple G to get to land punches that should not be landed. He wasn't countering as much as he should. Um, I mean, I think at one point, me, you, or Carlos were going, we're talking about rope dope, and I, I, I was saying rope dope, rope dope, and I'm like, you can't do that, man. Not against Triple G. You just got to land those shots, and, and each exchange, you got to win, man. You got to prove to the judges that you're winning that round, especially if you know it's going to go 12. A lot of guys are, are laughing at me, Sean, because I'm looking. For the, everyone knows that this side of my screen is the chat. So I'm looking at the chat and I'm <laughs> like, like, what are these guys talking about? What? Who? Where? How? Where? What? Right? So, yeah, and this is where I look at my texts in case yeah. someone, um, someone you know, pretty important is, is chiming in on the show uh, or I get breaking news from whomever, right? So, uh, but yeah, Triple G Canelo 2, man, that's going to be fun. It I is. can't wait. We will have a lead boxing writer of Fightful.com, Carlos Toro, on the show sometime before that to preview it, what he thinks. Man, that guy is a scientist when it comes to the sport. I love listening to Carlos uh, talk boxing. And if you all don't check out his weekly Fightful Boxing newsletter, you all are missing out. It is an excellent resource to uh, catch up on boxing. Maybe if you've fallen behind, if you're out of the loop a little bit, it is just a, a cut above. I, I really enjoy it. Of course, guys, we have podcasts out our asses at FightfulPods.com. That is not a good promo. Out our asses. Oh, my God. Just bled out. All over, all over the place. Projectile at FightfulPods.com. Fightful.com. Tons of exclusives at FightfulMMA.com. Uh, give us a, a look, a listen, all that good stuff. Thumbs up on YouTube. Subscribe. Turn those notifications on. It really, really helps. You can follow Joe at Showdown Joe. You can follow me at Sean Ross App. UFC Balaam. Live coverage this Saturday. I'm going to have a Super Bowl thread up on Sunday as well. You all can come over there, talk some trash. Guys, thank you all so much. Until next time, we're out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if if you don't win your first bet, bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.